we're awaiting the full expression of our adoption as sons. Yes, we've been adopted, but we're awaiting the adoption of sons. What does he mean by that in Romans 8? Well, you see, having the first fruits of the Spirit, he says, we're groaning, waiting eagerly the completion of the whole thing. And stay right here in 2 Corinthians and read on. Uh, every time he mentions this, he, he ties it together this way. Look at verse 5. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge, a down payment. This is an economic term he uses, as earnest money. How do I know God's going to finish what he started in my life? He gave me his Spirit as a pledge. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part three of the message titled, Awaiting Glory. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. If you want to take your Bible and turn to Romans 8. Romans 8, uh, we've been away from Romans for a while. And it's a joy to turn to Romans anytime, and especially Romans 8. Tremendous chapter. And I want to uh, read the full text to give us a little context, if you will. You know, when you uh, pick up the Bible, it can speak to you immediately, but it's always good to get the context around. Uh, and in one sense, it would probably be good for us to kind of walk through the whole book of Romans, but we'll just, uh, I just want to read from verse 18 down through uh, 27, just to give us the context of what uh, the Lord is saying to us through the Apostle Paul here. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it, subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, even we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance... We wait eagerly for it. And in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God." Now, we've seen that suffering precedes glory. It did in Christ's experience. In fact, the Old Testament regularly spoke of the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. But it does in our experience, too. Suffering precedes glory. Today, right now, suffering 
is part and parcel of the Christian life. Far from being something that a person would look at and say, what's wrong with my Christian life? Or what's wrong with me? Do I not have enough faith? Oh, parenthetically, let me say that God can discipline us through illness or circumstances, and the reverent one will always be ready to be guided by what we might call suffering in our life. But by and large, the tone of the New Testament, suffering is not a sign of God's displeasure. uh, Suffering is part and parcel of being a Christian. In fact, it is proof of sonship. Step back and read just a little bit more context. Verse 16, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, since indeed we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Suffering is evidence of our sonship. And he says, suffering leads to glory. Now, this suffering is not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed to us, he says. Verse 18, uh, I know it's real, but we saw and we looked at it carefully. This suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us. Just think about the glory that's coming. This suffering is not pointless, we saw. In fact, look at verse 22. It's called the pains of childbirth. Jesus said, whenever a woman is in travail, she has sorrow for the time of her travail and suffering has come. But afterwards, she forgets the sorrow. Remember he said in John 16, for joy that a child has been born. And the suffering of this present age is not pointless suffering. It's called the pains of childbirth, and it's going to lead to glory. And it causes us to uh, eagerly await the glory, doesn't it? So you take those two thoughts, the present suffering and the future glory, and they combine. And now look at our text and notice, and we saw this last time, but it's been a while and I want us to just remember it. it. They combine to produce a groaning, an eager awaiting, a sighing, an anticipation uh, you see it uh, groaning two or three times in the text. You see suffering, I mean, uh, eager anticipation, verse 19, the anxious longing, eagerly waits. Verse 23, waiting eagerly. Verse 25, waiting eagerly. We are anxiously awaiting and we are groaning, awaiting the glory that is to be revealed to us, it says. Now, you can break the the, uh, whole text down, and we did, and I think it's helpful, uh, into three sections. Uh, Verses 19 through 22, the whole creation groans, eagerly anticipating. All of creation is groaning, 19 through 22. Verse 23 through 25, believers, we groan as we eagerly anticipate and wait for the glory that's to be revealed to us. And... I would almost say shockingly, verse 26 and 27, the Holy Spirit Himself, during this waiting period, during this present time, He is interceding for us, we're told, with groanings too deep for words. 
Now, having said that, uh, let me just uh, remind you, we looked at 19 through 22, the creation itself groaning, and we saw that God's purposes are creation-wide. The creation we see now is not in its original condition, and it's not in its final condition. And uh, any attempt to kind of become one-sided in your thinking, to think if we could just get back to nature, if we could just... Listen, nature's messed up. And we can't do anything about it. Oh, I'm grateful for the technology and the, and the, the progress that we've made, but man can't solve the problem either. And the more we come up with solutions, we find that they have byproducts and side effects that uh, things just aren't right in this world. And they won't be right until the Lord returns. That's why the whole creation is groaning and suffering the pains of childbirth together until now. And God's purposes, creation purposes now, will coincide with the return of Christ. Look at verse 19. The creation is waiting for what? The revealing of the sons of God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed... Colossians 3, 4 says, we also will be revealed with him in glory. So both times that he refers to uh, Christ's return here, he couches it in language about our glorification. Verse 19, the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 21, the glory of the children of God. Uh, when will this occur? when Jesus Christ returns and sets things right. Now, it's not coincidental that God's uh, purposes for creation and His purposes for His people coincide when Jesus Christ returns. I'd like you to look at one passage. Just uh, turn back to Isaiah 11. I think it's good to see uh, sometimes in the words of Scripture and just look right at it. Isaiah 11, one of the great prophecies of the Old Testament, the wolf, verse 6, will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and the nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra, and the wean child will put his hand on the viper's den." They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Who's the they? Well, everybody's been talking about animals, people. <laughs> they will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I mean, if we today, and, and in this present time, Animals have purpose and usefulness and can be domesticated and that sort of thing. And we, why we can either uh, garden and make the earth better or we can turn it into a dust bowl if we just, you know. So if, if that's true today, just think what it will be when the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord and when we won't be doing any harm or destroying things in all the earth. It'll be a tremendous day when the Lord returns and sets up his kingdom. And the Bible pulsates with uh, anticipation for that. And Romans 8 underlines it so well. Now, having said that, today we want to look uh, 
at the next section of this, not the creation groaning awaiting the return, but our groaning. Verse 23, not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. We ourselves, not just creation, but we're waiting, Paul says. And if I can use the same phrase I used just a minute ago about creation and apply it a little bit different, we're not in our original condition. And we're not in our final condition. We're in between. You say, what's our original condition? Well, take, take your pick. <laughs> we're not in the condition we were pre-fall. That innocence and that communion with the Lord. None of us ever have been in this room. <laughs> so you say, we've all been post-fall. Okay, well, we're not in. If you're a Christian, and he's speaking as a Christian here. If you're not a Christian, by the way, listen in. I'm glad you're here. Listen in. You can become a Christian today. But uh, I'm speaking now as believers. We're not in our post-fall condition either. We're not at enmity with God as we were ever since Adam sinned. No, we've been born again. So we're not in that condition, but just the same, Paul says, we're not in our final condition either. And so this groaning, this eager anticipation, every Christian knows something of it. Yeah, we've been redeemed. Yes, we've been adopted. And we've been talking about these things and rejoicing in them in this chapter. But the full expression of it hasn't occurred yet. And so we are, in the meantime, groaning and eagerly awaiting. Now, I mentioned this groaning, this term groan, has the idea of being pressed and squeezed and, and pushed into a situation where all you can do, I mean, there's no human uh, solution. And so it comes out as just a cry or a, a sigh or a groan. It's just a plea, you might say. And it's interesting to... Uh, to uh, listen, turn over to Acts 7. Acts 7, uh, Stephen used this when he was uh, walking through Israel's history. And he, Acts 7, verse uh, 34, when he's quoting Exodus, he used this term. I have certainly seen, you remember when the Lord came down at the burning bush to Moses? And the Lord said, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people. They'd had 400 years of slavery that got worse and worse as slavery tends to. I've seen, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. And I have what? Heard their groans. Israel down in Egypt groaned. And the Lord said, I hear, I hear. In fact, you don't need to turn there. Listen to, listen to the actual text in Exodus. It came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage and they cried out and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered 
his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them. I'll tell you what, sometime, that's Exodus 2, 23 through 25, sometime take a few minutes with each verb in that little paragraph. They sighed, they cried out, they groaned because of their bondage. And God saw, heard, acted. God remembered His covenant. Each verb is just pregnant with great comfort for us today. God hears the groans of His people. But that's the term that was used. You know, our Lord Himself used this term. It's interesting. I only found it six times in the New Testament. But our Lord used it. You remember the time when... uh, in fact, you, you think of many of these times when they'd bring people to the Lord. And this one case in, in Mark 7, they brought the fellow that couldn't hear, was deaf and couldn't speak, and they brought him to the Lord. And the Lord, we're told, he looked up to heaven and he sighed deeply. With a deep sigh, he said, be opened. And he touched the man, you remember the details, and he opened his ears and loosed his tongue. But you see, the Lord sighed. He groaned. This, the condition we're in today, our bodies, they're not what they ought to be. And the Lord, when He was here, it was a little foretaste of what He's going to do for us. And He sighed. He groaned as He looked at the condition of the situation today. Uh, by the way, one, one time it's translated grief, and I, I can't help but mention it. You know, he says in Hebrews 13, he says, Obey your leaders. He's talking to the church. He says, Obey your leaders as those who will give an account to the Lord. And let them do this. Let them lead you. Let them shepherd you with joy and not with grief. And grief is this term groaning. And I talk to pastors sometimes, and I hear of shepherds who are just groaning because of the lack of heart for God and submission to God among God's people. And you look at Moses' life, you know, and sometimes you see that. And uh, Hebrews says, obey your leaders. They're going to give an account to the Lord and let them lead you with joy and not with groaning and grief. But generally speaking, it's talking about the human condition, period. Look over at 2 Corinthians 5 for just a second. You know, 2 Corinthians 5 often comments in ways that uh, amplify Romans 8. 2 Corinthians 5 Uh, This term is used a couple of times. Indeed, in this house, verse 2, I'll read verse 1, we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, and he's talking about our body, this earthly tent, which we live in, it's our house. If this earthly tent is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house, in this body, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed, while we're in this tent, we groan, being burdened. You see, we're groaning. We're awaiting the full expression of our adoption as sons. Yes, we've been adopted, but we're awaiting the adoption of sons. What does he mean by that in Romans 8? Well, you see, having the first fruits of the Spirit, he says... We're groaning, waiting eagerly the completion of the whole thing. And stay right here in Second Corinthians and read on. 
every time he mentions this, he, he ties it together this way. Look at verse 5. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge, a down payment. This is an economic term he uses, as earnest money. How do I know God's going to finish what he started in my life? He gave me his Spirit as a pledge. Having the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan waiting that day when he'll finish the job. You also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge. I'm quoting Ephesians 1. So the moment you believe, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, and he is given as a pledge, an earnest money. I know he's coming back for me and going to finish the work he started because he gave me his Holy Spirit. Turn back to Romans 8 and enjoy it. I mean, he's just amplifying. He's kind of driving these truths home. Just And each time he adds more detail and they become richer. But you can see what I'm after here. Let me put it this way. The great future reality of full adoption as sons of full redemption of the body is guaranteed by the great present reality of the Holy Spirit in your life, Christian. How do you know that the future glory is secure? He has given you the first fruits of the Spirit. So that's what he says in verse 23. Not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits, we eagerly anticipate in groaning, we're waiting for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. He stated it a different way if you just look back at verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and He does, He just said in verse 9, if the Spirit doesn't dwell in you, you don't belong to Christ. No, He does dwell in you. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, think about that, Christian. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. The one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, where is He? He's dwelling in you and me. We've got the first fruits of the Spirit. We can look ahead with eager anticipation to the full expression of our salvation. The full expression, I'm using that term of our adoption as sons. Because remember, look, verse 23, he says, we're waiting for our adoption, but really we've already been adopted. But we're not fully experiencing it yet. Well, he calls it here, look at the end of verse 23, the redemption of our bodies. Now, the Bible says two things about our bodies. Maybe it says more, but it says two. We need new ones. Amen? And secondly, we're going to get new ones. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Awaiting Glory message from our series in the book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. 
If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. We're continuing to see new growth in the Romans Project on the continent of Africa. Most recently, we've added the countries of Guinea, Mali, Senegal, Ivory Coast, Gabon, Madagascar, and South Africa to the ever-expanding outreach of the project. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this ministry or to become a partner with us as we minister to pastors and church leaders throughout Africa. Just navigate over to romansproject.org or connect with us at facebook.com slash romansproject. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. For in hope, verse 24, we've been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. When your hope is in Jesus Christ, when your hope is in the one who rose from the dead and is coming back, your hope is like an anchor of the soul. It's sure, it's steadfast. My hope is guaranteed by the Son of God, seated at the right hand, He's entered as a forerunner. My hope is guaranteed by the Spirit of God, He dwells within me. This hope does not disappoint. It's a hope sure and steadfast, absolutely certain. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part four of the message titled, Awaiting Glory. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.